0: You are listening to Ideas and Leaders Podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Welcome to the next episode of Ideas and Leaders Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Margie Olsen She's an Executive Coach and Business Consultant. And we're going to speak about becoming a high-performing leader today. The topic that we love at Ideas and Leaders. Hi, Margie. It's great to have you on Ideas and
1: Leaders. Nice to be here.
0: So, Margie, can you uh, tell us a little bit about your background? How did you get to to become an executive coach for leaders?
1: Yeah, so I started working at a very young age and had been in organizations for decades. Moved into corporate America and was doing organizational work and change management work. And industry after industry, company type and size, for profit, nonprofit, government communities, I could see some of these common themes across leadership. Teams. I was baffled by how organizations struggle with their teams, with their leadership development. And at some point after several decades, I did the equivalent of lifting the hood on the car to figure it out or take the toaster apart. I went back to school, to a university, and spent four years in coursework to earn my doctorate in organization development. I wanted to understand what are organizations missing because they need more help to be able to lead better and have better teams and what i was shocked to find out is that at that point we'd already known what we need to know about the art and science of leadership the art and science of leading high performing teams we'd already known what we need to know for three decades so there i was in this doctoral program and so i chose for my research my dissertation sort of a what the heck is happening in business today to understand if we have all this information what is the gap for leaders to be able to execute and to make it stick? So how are we developing leaders and what are they missing to be able to have that change in the future and build their leadership teams? And so was able to embark on that dissertation journey, found the answers to some of my questions in my research, and then spent the last 10 years in organizations applying what I know, coaching leaders on how we do this. And so I developed top Team Accelerator to help any leader hit the ground running and develop this, Many times for the very first
0: time. I love your background. I think that uh, combining the academic experience and business experience is so important. This is what I do as well. And we can benefit so much in both areas. So Margie, I know that you're working with leaders, you're working with executives. Um, What are the biggest challenges that, in your opinion, leaders currently face?
1: Yeah. So the first thing is they are not aware necessarily that they haven't valued or prioritized the behaviors and the dynamics, the organizational dynamics among themselves, their leadership team and groups in general. So I always had sort of a reaction to top-down leadership. Well, we shouldn't have top-down leadership. How does that help employees? How do I feel empowered? How do we make sure every voice is heard? And now that I've gone through my education, and four decades in corporate America, I know that top-down means you get it right at the top, you model it and cascade it to the next levels of teams, and pretty soon your entire company benefits from that. Right now, companies are at the uh, behest of their teams and their leaders from all the other places that they've come from and all of the other ways of developing. And they don't know how to develop leaders the way they know how to hire for legal, for finance, for HR. So those are very concrete to them. And on this other piece, they internally suspect that they're supposed to just know it. If you think about who our first leaders are, they're the people that were there when we were born and raised us. And then there are those first jobs that we have and the first teams that we're on in school or after school. And then the first um, pass on our career The question is, how did those leaders learn to lead the same way? They did not have high-performing leaders who had a development path that helped them know how to lead. Those were the leaders that we learned from. So we are engaging in day-to-day leadership without having a playbook, without understanding how people learn and how people change. And so we're kind of having to make it up as we go along. And I would say the most common thing I experience with leaders and organizations is they think they're the only ones. So I'm working with a leader and he or she thinks, I don't know that others are going through what I'm going through my market is unique, my industry is unique. What has happened in the last four or five years and the place that I'm at in my career, those are unique. I'm struggling because I have unique challenges. And the truth is most leaders are struggling and they don't feel comfortable talking about it with each other. And so one of my passions is to get it out into the open and let leaders recognize that what you're going through a is not, doesn't have to be that way. And B is getting in the way of you meeting your deadlines, solving your problems and uh, achieving your goals.
0: Yeah, it is so hard being a leader to to say that, yes, I have challenges. Yes, I don't know how to do certain things. So I think that it is great that you are doing this and that you're you're speaking openly about this and you have method to, to work with yes. this. So this is something that I also wanted to ask you about. And um, you you said that we don't know how to develop leaders, and this is something that we hear very often. That someone says, "Oh, I'm doing everything myself because they don't know how to do it. I have to teach them everything from the beginning." So there are there are those tensions in the teams where leaders want to delegate more and want to work less and to have less stress, but at the same time they kind of don't know how to organize this development and this learning process. So what would you recommend to leaders to have develop their teams better and to have more high-performing teams?
1: And the word that I love that you used was organize. So the biggest challenge they all have is that they're having to just day to day, just sort of work through it. They're not organized around that the way they absolutely are organized around finances and supply chain and their operations. They commit a lot of time and energy and planning and brain, um, you know, the, the collective brains of the groups to get all of that right. And then for some reason, along the way they missed that there is an art and a science to these behaviors and this leadership and this communications in an organization and that you need to systematically set it up, not haphazardly, not what you inherited. So if you come in as a senior leader and you just take over the team, the company, and you just pick it up where they left off, that is the opposite of the kind of organization they would wanna do if they wanted to get their finances right, if they want to make sure that their locations are set up the way they want to. So I developed Top Team Accelerator with a few principles that help them engage in a way that will truly develop it for them and help them make the changes stick. And number one is we do it in sequence. So for example, one issue that leaders have is that their leadership team members do not trust each other. And I say that, and it sounds a little absurd. These are high powered individuals with great careers, education, experience. They might be savants in their field. They're quite knowledgeable in the areas that they represent. And then they come to work and the leader feels like a babysitter they, people come to them to solve their problems. The leader, instead of solving their own, they don't naturally collaborate with each other. And the leader is wondering, how did this happen? How? And they're not talking about it with their colleagues or peers because it seems like it's unique to them. And so, for example, when they don't trust each other, in my program, we don't go after trust. You don't say, you know what, we're going to do a two-day offsite and we are going to become a collaborative team. We're going to work on Collaboration. So what I learned in my 40 years in corporations and organizations, as well as my education and practice is you need to get the sequence right and build the foundation blocks. And then once you do, trust develops. Collaboration develops. Cohesion Develops, And so we have four pillars in Top Team Accelerator, and they start with the first thing you need, which is teamwork. How can you each on the leadership team represent the other areas and talk about their needs and their teams and their agendas and their part of the goals and priorities of the leader and who they are and how they relate to their own teams? Can you speak for each other rather than going back and talking to your team about this key group that you're a part of? And where are you in your your development as a human being on self-awareness. And self-awareness as I define it is understanding how your behaviors have impacts on others and understanding how the behaviors of others impact you and so we continue to grow the self-awareness, very critical piece of being a leader. And then we develop what I call team awareness. How are we aware of our team, the way we're working together, our levels of trust and collaboration and cohesion? How are we, did we reduce the level of gossiping? We now implement some metrics around behaviors. And we talk about it openly and we learn how to be able to have these conversations that first can be pretty awkward. The next three pillars are communication. Uh, commitment, which is clarity and alignment. And once you have clarity and alignment with your leadership team and they cascade it to their teams, pretty soon it starts to show up across the organization. And then the alignment piece, the accountability piece is around, do we have the right operations for today's goals and priorities? And is everyone aware of what the leader's goals are? And do they know how their own work and role fits into that bigger picture? And do they have what they need? And do they know how it's going? And then the performance piece, the fourth pillar is around putting in place metrics around behaviors and a short list of metrics around success. Because if you have 25 or hundred metrics that you're watching on a dashboard to tell you all how you're doing, you can't keep that in your head. You don't have an elevator pitch for that, meaning you can rattle it off in 30 seconds. And that means you're not telling the same story. You don't know together the same things. And when you as a leadership team don't know together, how it's going, both in terms of success metrics and behavior metrics, then you're actually not yet a cohesive team. And we build all of that in that sequence. And I will say, I learned about that sequence in my doctoral program, which had already been in existence for 30 years. So when you pull a book off the shelf uh, at bookstore or you listen to a podcast and an expert is talking about what you need for high-performing teams, it's based on all of these same foundational principles. What's new is how do we work remotely? What's new is how do we have global teams? What's new is having five generations in the workplace, but the principles for addressing those uh, have been the same and have lasted the test of time for 40 years.
0: Yeah, so you were speaking about several pillars of your top team accelerator method. You mentioned teamwork, you mentioned clarity. Commitment,
1: which is clarity and alignment. Uh, Accountability which is the operations and getting all of that for today's Mm -hmm. goals. And then performance performance, is about performance is the piece where now we've been up and running and working together for a few months. And now we're practicing and we're observing and we're documenting and we're implementing metrics for both behaviors and success for for, for the work that you do so that we can start to notice which changes aren't sticking. And when you can, when you solve solve some challenges and start to make, have high performing meetings and you start to be coherent and the gossiping goes down and the complaining goes down, you start to tick off problems that start that are finally being solved once and for all. Now we notice which challenges are deeper and need more root cause discussions and need to have time away so that you can focus on those. And so this takes months. And that's the other piece that this coaching, this is how we make it different is, if you think you can have a leadership development training for a week and you're gonna change your company, I don't know of a company that's ever successfully done that. And ever is a long time. We are basing this on the principles and the science of the brain. The brain is 99.9% autopilot so it's keeping it keeping you safe to be ready for challenges or opportunities so most of what it loves is the familiarity and so the way you're leading today the way you do your meetings the way you onboard new people the way that you uh do performance management and set up your leaders for success those are all habits when you're ready to do it differently That means you have to work with the brain and the brains of all the people you're working with. You have to develop new habits. And I think everyone within the sound of my voice right now knows the challenge for changing habits. When we say I want to do a better uh, healthy habit more often or I want to reduce an unhealthy habit, we know that it's difficult to just change that overnight. And we lose the ability to make it stick when we don't engage the brain in the way it's hardwired. So I bring my coaching in and we deal with the brain the way it's hardwired so that we can help people feel good about wherever they're at. They're doing the best they can. The brain's doing what it needs to to keep them alive and well. And so let's work together to put systems and processes in place to change those habits so that you now are a leader that's even better than you were before and you've developed ways to make it stick going forward.
0: Yeah, so how long does it take to change those leadership habits? So how long does your Top Team Accelerator last if you want to to actually have changed yes.
1: it is six to 12 months and it starts with uh, uh three months of just coaching and a, a fit um, assessment so we wouldn't sign somebody on because you this may not work for you given where you're at right now given who you are if we come in and your leadership team is 20 people so the structure of your leadership team is 20 people and I say we're really going to need to change that structure if you want to be successful and the team or the leader says we're not going to be able to change that structure okay great we'll spend a few months i do the best that I can working with you to fix your meetings, to be clear about your goals and your priorities, and to help you be more cohesive and do some assessments to help people learn more about each other in the ways that are most helpful. And we will have had that coaching experience. And then down the line, when you become more ready, then we can spend time together doing the broader approach. For teams that fit and are able to do the work, it's another three, six months of putting in place the systems and processes, practicing getting some things right, getting some things not so right, having some changes stick and having some other ones that you want to have um, to be able to stick better. And what happens when teams start to fix their meetings and become more cohesive and have a clearer view of the leader's goals and are really making sure that everyone is rowing their boat in the direction of the leader's goals, you've now saved time You've saved dollars and you have saved brain space, energy. You've lowered burnout. People look forward to meetings because they're actually productive and you can uh, do the things that you want to do and free up time and energy for more. So once you get to the point where you have some of that in place, now the issues that everyone thinks are global issues and nobody can do anything about them, like the market, the market the workforce challenges, five generations in the workplace, what to do about remote working, all of those things, diversity and inclusion, where are you at with diversity and inclusion? All of those things have been continuously living on the back burner because you'll get to it when you have more time, when you have fewer fires. Well, once you set up your organization so that you're not always firefighting and you're not always solving the same problems, you actually get to solve some problems, you free up time to go off and spend time and energy and the right people to build a culture of diversity and inclusion, to build a culture that accommodates five generations, to put the workforce in place that you want, and you don't have to solve it for the globe, you're solving it for yourself.
0: So Margie, if our listeners who are listening to us want to become more high-performing leaders, want to want to become better leaders, uh, what would you recommend them to start doing? What are the first yes. steps that we need to start doing to, to have better, high-performing teams. Yes.
1: Three things. Number one, fix your meetings. So another unfortunate reality is that everything we know about having effective meetings, we've known. When I come into a client and I t- talk about what is needed for effective meetings, doesn't sound like rocket science. And a matter of fact, they, they nod their head and say, oh yeah, I know. We've tried all that. They say, we've tried all that. So let me just give you a few items. Number one, you need to Separate out your strategic meetings from your tactical meetings. And people say, yep, we know to do that, but they're not doing that. Why? Because there's some other issues they have. It's uncomfortable for them to not invite people who want to come. So you've got people coming into the meeting to talk tactics, but they're strategic, and then they bring up the workforce issue, and now you're 15 minutes into the conversation, you haven't done your tactical work, you didn't have the right people in the room to talk about the workforce issue, and now you didn't get to do either. Number one, have the right people separate out your strategy and tactics, and then track throughout the meeting in a way that everyone can see that you're you're on the same page as them, what did you decide? What questions do you come away with and who volunteered for what? And then pause a few minutes early and reiterate that. I worked with a five-person leadership team for a year who worked together day to day and they, they had been working together for a year. Then I came in. They still had a different version, each of them, a different story about what they were going after and by when and with whom. They thought that if they spend all this time together, of course they are of one mind. No, you have to say it out loud. You have to compare notes. You have to take that time. So people might know this, but because of some of their challenges with fighters all the time and running and having so many meetings, they haven't even actually had the space or the investment of time to fix their meetings so they can do that. Number one, number two. I love the working genius assessment. It is a I'm certified in that it is Lencioni's latest, greatest thing that he offered into the world, Mr. Uh, you know, his group, five dysfunctions of a team. And the working genius assessment um, is a way to understand our productivity and our teamwork the way we each show up. And just quickly, there are six items, six WIP profiles for the working genius that make up the acronym Widget. W-I-D-G-E-T, so in your workplace, you have wonderers, you have inventors, you have discerners, you have galvanizers, you have enablers, and you have tenacity, tenacious folks. And each of us has two geniuses of those six. Each of us has a couple competencies, and each of us has a couple frustrations. And when you're always finding yourself behind schedule or under over budget, or you put out a product and you, you find out the market didn't like it at all. How did we make that mistake? Well, because you're having meetings and you're not following the widget sequence. So if you have a discussion for a product that's getting ready to go to market, you've already asked the right questions. You've already invented what the solution is or the product. You've already discerned, is this gonna work? Cause you have people that are geniuses at these, thi- these things. You've already galvanized the organization. So now people know how to row their boats in the direction of this new product or service, you're at the point where you're enabling and getting it worked out and Tenacity is checking off the list that you finish it. And somebody says, you know what? I don't think this is going to work. Look at this other product. We should be thinking about that. Now, that may be true, but it's not time for that. You had time for that before. And so what happens is teams pause, leaders pause, people in power pause, and instead of roll it out, they go back to the drawing board. Meanwhile, you have people who are frustrated because their geniuses aren't being used and you actually didn't have the right sequence. So once you do that kind of assessment and really learn who your people are and who are really good at the pieces that you need for each of those sequences, people laugh when they see the results and talk it through. We get emotional, some of us get emotional because we feel seen for the first time in those things that we're really good at, that we are the best at spending our day, we find out about those, so I would recommend that. And then the third thing is if I'm a leader and I have a leadership team, I'm gonna to wanna to go around and test, how do they describe what my goals are and what the current priorities are? And before I do that, cause I wouldn't wanna shine a light on them and try to call them out and make them feel awkward about it. First thing I would do is have some time to be really clear. Lay it out again at the risk of sounding like you're over communicating, which is a positive, by the way. Lay it out again. Be really clear, folks. Here are the three goals that we're going after this year. All boats need to row in this direction. Here are the current priorities we have. And then start asking each leader, what is your team's part of that? And how is it going? And then this team, and then this team, and then next week, do a little recheck. Can you recite to me what my goals are, what the priorities are, what we're working on? And pretty soon after you do that a few times and do the work that needs it to feel okay, because there are going to be people that are going to struggle. You have people who want to go off in this different direction. It's part of your issue. They shouldn't be doing that if that's not the direction you're going. You have people who think it's one way and they find out it's another and they have to go back to their teams and undo some directions, reestablish and reprioritize with their people. So this can take a little bit of time. But what's really fun is several weeks into it when you've gone through processes to be clear, to test, check for understanding, to talk about their teams and what's going on with them, and then recheck. All of a sudden, you've gotten closer to being more cohesive and you're faster and you're you're lighter. You feel better together and you start to look forward to meetings together because you share this information.
0: Perfect. So we need to fix our meetings. We need to do the genius attes- assessment and we need to, uh, to make sure that our team knows what are our goals, what are our priorities, directions. So great, great tips. Thank you, Margie, for sharing uh, with that's a- some of the tips, some of your methods. And its it would be really interesting to know more. So if our listeners want to uh, reach out to you, ask some additional questions, maybe work with you, where can they find you?
1: So I'm at olson-consulting.com. Olson is O-L-E-S-O-N, that is silent-consulting.com. All kinds of free resources out there and a lot about the model. And then I post on LinkedIn every day. So you can follow me, margie.O-L-E-S-O-N. And I post free resources every day to give people at leaders, teams, organizations, a chance to do this stuff themselves and to know how else more to engage with me.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much, Margie, for being an Ideas and Leaders today. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag Ideas and Leaders. See you in the next episode.